Thank you, Choir, Moki, Carol. It's always uh, wonderful to reflect on the kingdom of love and light and uh, the, the kingdom that is to come, but is yet also a present reality within us and among us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time, this sacred time of devotion, a time that requires our attention, that requires our hearts. We ask that you help us to open ourselves, to open our hearts, to open our eyes and our ears to what your Spirit has to say, what it has to do during this time. We ask that you bless the reading and the hearing of the Word, that these words will be so much more than just ink on paper, but they will be a testimony of your life-giving Spirit which is here among us right now. We invite that Spirit to, to rest within us, to stir within us, to transform us from the inside out. We give you our hearts, we give you our attention, and we ask that you clear away all other distractions and bless this time that we have together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms for those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We're in our, our fourth week now going through the book of Acts, and uh, we've just started the third chapter, and this, this study, I'm hoping, is going to really help us sort of identify the, the, the purpose of the church, the mission of the church, or, or maybe help re-identify, because sometimes you, you have to sort of refocus what you're looking at uh, ju just so that it, it begins to make sense again. And Acts is certainly a wonderful instruction manual for the way the church should be. 
because you see in here not only things like we talked about last week, which is how the church behaved, you know, their devotion, their dedication, how they divided their, their money and how they, they gave their radical giving, all of that kind of stuff. But in the book of Acts, over the course of the study, you're going to see how the, the church resolved conflict and how they, they helped, how they uh, spread the word throughout the, the land around them. And, of course, today we're talking about how the church played a part in healing people. So this is going to be a, a very uh, helpful study as we continue through the book of Acts. And I don't want to rush it. I don't want to say, you know, we're just going to skip through this like a, a rock on the pond. I want us to sink deeply into the words of Acts and what happens. And so uh, today we're, we're, we're beginning this third chapter where Peter and John uh, have this miraculous encounter with the man who was lame from birth who was at the temple gate. Now, this is very helpful for us because what, what happens in this passage is that there is a man asking for one thing, and the disciples don't give him that. Instead, they are able to recognize a deeper need. They are able to recognize something more than what the guy is asking for. And, and, and in the name of Jesus Christ and with the power of the Holy Spirit, they are able to meet that need instead, which is much greater than the man's need for uh, some pocket change. Uh, so uh, as we talk about this, I don't want you to get the idea that I'm saying giving money is bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. Giving money is certain, certainly a wonderful thing, certainly a necessary thing, and it's a biblical thing. Throughout Scripture, we are told to give. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He told the, man, the rich man who wanted to follow him, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And, uh, and in Malachi, uh, we, we hear God say to the people to bring in the full tithe into his storehouse, into his house, and, uh, and, and put him to the test. And he says, and if you do this, this is the only place in Scripture where God says to test him. He says, if you do this, see if I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing upon you and meet your every need. God is saying, if you give to me generously, I will provide for you and your every need. So giving money is certainly a biblical thing. It certainly has its place. It certainly has its benefits. And it certainly comes with a wonderful blessing. But money isn't always the answer. Sometimes we have people in need around us, and our tendency is to maybe habitually or just out of a guilty conscience or whatever, uh, hand them some money and then think that, that that solves it, that we've done our part, and then they can go about their business now. But it doesn't always work that way. You see, if Peter and John had given this man the change uh, that he was asking for, he would have been back the next day. But they saw the deeper need and they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man had no more need to stand outside or lay outside the temple and beg. Money is not always the need. There's an old Chinese proverb that you may have heard before. that's uh, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish and he eats for a lifetime. There's a lot of truth in that. But I want to talk about the beggar who was at the gate. I want us to think about why he was there. Why did he choose the temple? Why did he choose the gate? Why did he come there every day? It says every day. 
And what's really interesting is if you read on and you get to chapter 4 of Acts, the story circles back around and you find out that this man was there every day for 40 years. For 40 years he laid outside the gate of the temple asking for money. First of all, he didn't recognize his own need. The real need was that he needed to be healed, that he needed to be able to walk. But he had given up on that a long time ago. He was born lame, so he didn't think that that was ever going to happen for him. He also didn't recognize that his healing was within God's power, that it was something that was possible if God would intervene. And then, sadly, I think that he didn't really recognize the true nature, the true mission of the church or of the temple. You see, he came to this place called the Beautiful Gate because it was beautiful and because people went in there and they worshipped and they came out and they were feeling generous. They were moved by the Spirit. And he said, surely these people have money. Look at this place they come to. And surely they want to give. They come here to praise the Lord. So surely if I'm in need, they will help me out. They will be able to meet that financial need that I have. You know, I think that people see our churches the same way. People see the pretty buildings, the fresh paint jobs, the the manicured lawns and the bushes, and they think, now this place, this establishment must have a little bit of money. They're able to make their place look very beautiful, very vibrant. They have something that I don't. And of course we do. But they're not thinking in spiritual terms, they're thinking in financial terms because that's what they feel at that moment that their need is. And so they come to the church for money. Now I have to confess that there are times when people treat the church as as if it's a place to just come get handouts. That sometimes doesn't sit well with me. Sometimes it makes me mad, and I feel bad that it makes me mad, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it just angers me when, when somebody will just call me up out of the blue and say, uh, yeah, Pastor, I, I need a few hundred dollars. And they don't tell me why, and I don't know them, and it's just that that's how people see the church. But that's the image that is sometimes projected. We have this nice building. We have this, this space And we come here to worship, and so we have money, we have means, and we must be able to help them out in all of our generosity, right? The guy went to this gate that was called the Beautiful Gate because it projected this image of prosperity and luxury and something that he didn't have. And he said, surely I can feed off of that just a little bit. When I first moved to Buena Vista... First time pastor in my first appointment, I preached one Sunday, one Sunday. And about two days later, I got a call on my cell phone. I have no idea how the guy got my cell phone number. But he called me up and said, yes, pastor, I need about $3,000. And I got so mad because that was something that they didn't prepare me for in license to preach school. I was like, what what do I do about this? What do I do about somebody just calling me up and saying they need $3,000? I don't know what to do about that. But then when I really started thinking about it, what really frustrated me, what really made me mad, wasn't so much that this guy needed money 
and I, and I didn't have it. But it frustrated me that there was obviously something deeper going on with him. There was obviously a deeper need, maybe a spiritual need, a financial crisis, because maybe he, he, he wasn't in a good position. Um, and, and I had no idea how to minister to that. I was literally in my first week as a pastor, and, and I was expected to deal with the situation. And it brought about a lot of, of frustration. But I want to tell you, anger is not the correct response. Anger is not the right answer because what anger does is it immediately makes us step back and and adopt this us-and-them attitude. They are the outsiders, they are in need, and we are in here sort of protector of the money bag, right? Protector of the account. They are the ones asking for something and it's in our power to give it to them or deny it. And we we have this, this separation And it shouldn't be that way. Because yes, we are stewards of the account. But it is God's money. And God has charged us with finding a way to help those in need. And we don't separate ourselves. It's not an us and them. We are a part of this community just as much as they are. And so it is up to us. It is the mission of the church to see what their real need is and to try to meet that. Sometimes it is money. Oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes it's something much, much deeper. There was a, I'll tell you another story. When I was volunteering uh, one time at the uh, Share the Season up here, there was a man that came in and asked to speak to a pastor. Well, I just happened to be there. And, uh, and they said, yeah, we have a pastor here. And so I went outside and this man uh, told me that uh, his wife was in the hospital. Or, or in the nursing home, I'm sorry, and she required these special bed sheets. But they couldn't order them because his wife's nurse had stolen her debit card. And they ordered a new one, but it would take 14 days for this debit card to come in. And in the meantime, he has to get his wife these sheets. And so he, he needed just a few hundred dollars to get those sheets. And he told me this, this story. And... Uh, and not acting on my own, but, but feeling like, okay, I'm here at, at Share the Season right now, I told him, uh, well, it's, it's not the policy of Share the Season to hand out money. And I sort of hid behind that. And that bothered me. And I went home and I thought about it that night, and I thought about it for weeks. I thought about it for months. I thought about it for over a year. It bothered me. That I did not help this man out in any way, and I sort of hid behind this generic policy that sort of took the responsibility off of me. Well, over a year later, we were here at Sunday school, and there was a man that came into our building and asked to speak to the pastor. I went out in the hall, and I talked to him, and it was the same man. And he told me his wife was in the nursing home and she required these special bed sheets and her nurse had recently stolen the debit card. And it was word for word the same story. And my initial reaction in that moment was to get mad, to get angry, because I was thinking, you've told me this story before. You're just making your rounds telling this story. That was my initial reaction. That was Jerry. That was me. That was my human side winning out in that moment. But fortunately, because of God's grace, some kind of divine wisdom got zapped into my brain or into my heart at, at, at that moment. And, and I thank God that it did because I realized if, if I get mad at this guy, 
It's not going to do any good. He's just going to go to the next church and do the same thing, and, and I'll feel bad, he'll feel bad, and it's, it's, it doesn't do any good. And then, I, then we've further separated the mission of this church from the community which we claim to serve. So I said, listen, I don't have anything to give you personally, but we have donuts and hot coffee in the Sunday school room. And if you'll stay and be my guest, you can have breakfast on us, and, uh, and worship with us. And who knows, if you, if you stay, uh, there may even be someone who can help you out with the bed sheets. And unfortunately, he said no, and he left. But something was revealed to me in that moment. And, and like I said, this, this was not my thinking. This, this was completely a, a God-grabbing-me-by-the-collar moment and, and telling me the church can, can turn people away or, or we can give out handouts or whatever, but none of that's going to do any good if we're not trying to meet their real need. What is their real need? Do you see what their need is? And it's not always to see, easy to see. I know. Sometimes it's not within our power to meet their need, but we have to at least try. There's no harm in doing like Peter and saying, look, I don't have any silver or gold. I don't have any money. I can't give you exactly what you're asking for. But if there's something deeper, if there's a need for love, if there's a need for intervention, if there's a need for, uh, to, to share Christ in that moment, and I don't mean just in word, but in action as well, how can we do that? Are we able to do that? Sometimes... We're like, no, I, I, don't, I can't heal somebody. I can't make a lame person walk. I can't make a homeless person all of a sudden have shelter. I, that's not within my power. Of course it's not. It's within God's power. And in that moment, if we do like Peter and, and John and say, it's in the name of Jesus that I'm going to reach out to this person, God will give us what we need to reach out to that person in their time of desperation. It's not always clear to us how we do it. Sometimes God has to thump us on the head and tell us, listen, you got it all wrong. I was part of a teaching group uh, a few years back, um, and one of our mentors was a, a pastor named John Stevens. He used to be at uh, uh, Wesley on St. Simon's, and now, now he's a pastor at Chapelwood in Houston. He was one of our mentors, and, and I was talking to him, and I just, in passing, it, was, it wasn't even, I don't know how it came up. I mentioned something about there was a guy who, who sleeps at our post office. And when you walk in there, sometimes it'll frighten you if you don't know he's there. And I just kind of mentioned that to him, and he made me really uncomfortable. He said, uh, well, well, what are you doing about that? And I said, well, you can't do anything about that. He said, well, what's your church doing about that? I said, I don't know. What can we do about it? I mean, you can give him some, some food. You can give him some money. But he's still going to go back over there and sleep at the post office. I mean, you, you can offer him a bed. And I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. And, and, and honestly, it, I didn't like being put on the spot like that and asked what I was going to do about it. But he said, you might not know what to do about it. But if you're not trying to see what the real need is, you're never going to know what to do. And maybe you can't help that guy. 
Maybe you can't meet his exact need in that moment. Maybe you can't provide shelter or a home for him. But maybe if you know what has caused that situation, you can, you can help that. You can meet that need. And it may not affect him directly, but it, it could help others and keep them from being in that need. You could be an outreach to your community in a way that that becomes more and more of an isolated incident. That doesn't become the norm. That's what it means to meet people in their real need. I came home and I started thinking about it. I still don't know what to do about a situation where someone is homeless, where they're sleeping in a post office, or taking shelter under the pavilion at our church. Sure, we can offer them money, we can offer them food, but what is the real need? The real question is, are we trying to find the real need? Are we looking deeper? Are we in conversation with them, trying to find out what it is? Because we can talk a good talk. We can come in here and talk about what it means to be a church that reaches out to the community. But if we're not backing that up with with loving actions, then it's all null and void. This book that we're reading is called The Acts of the Apostles. Not the words of the apostles. The Acts of the Apostles. What are our acts? What are our actions that we're doing to show Christ in a time of someone else's crisis. Sometimes I'm afraid that we give money because we don't know what else to do and we're hoping that will make the problem go away or at least move the problem down the road to someone else. I I have to confess I've done that before. Someone walks up to you on the sidewalk, you're walking around someplace like Columbus or Atlanta maybe and they ask for change and, and I just pull out whatever I have and I give it to them Just kind of as a, a, okay, that's someone else's problem now. I've done my part. And that is not a Christ-like action. That is not trying to meet someone's real need. All that does is that moves the problem somewhere else. They still have the same issue. They still have the same need. And sometimes we so habitually give money or throw some money at something uh, that we don't even realize that's not what the person's even asking for. Sometimes they're insulted by that. Our giving supports ministries. It supports missionaries. It supports outreach programs. It supports other churches, pastors, uh, our, our cabinet, our bishop, the district superintendents. It, it, our, our money goes towards disaster relief. All of those things. But sometimes people are in need and they're looking to the church and if all we do is give them money, they they may just turn away and say, that's not what I was looking for. That didn't help at all. And then they may think, well, that church is only interested in easing their own conscience. They ease their own conscience by giving money, but they didn't meet me in my time of need. There's a television show I I like to watch. It's uh, called Mad Men. It's about an ad agency in the 1960s. And uh, the main character is a a guy who is deeply flawed. I mean, he is a... uh, He's the kind of character that you pull for sometimes and then you can't stand sometimes. But his name is Don Draper. And he's very successful in this ad agency. But nobody really knows who Don Draper is. There's, almost, there's like this secret identity to him or this, this past that nobody else knows about. 
And Don's brother, Adam, finds him one day, tracks him down and says, Don, everybody thought you were dead, but I knew you were alive. And Don is troubled because he he doesn't want people to find out about his past. And he says, what do you want? And Adam says, I want to be brothers. I want to be in relationship with you. You're my brother and I thought you were dead all these years and now here you are. And Don does what he does and he gives him a large amount of money as if to say, here, take this money and take your problem somewhere else. Adam wasn't even looking for money. He was looking for relationship. But he went away with the money that he had no use for and he hung himself. And Don, for the rest of the series, for the next several years, this, this weighs on him. It deteriorates him from the inside. That's what happens. That's what can happen if we are just quick to, to give somebody something so that they just take it and move on down the road. In reality, they may be looking for something much deeper. They may be looking for relationship Relationship with Jesus Christ, relationship with the body of Jesus Christ, which is what? Us. We have that to offer, if nothing else. We have the love and the relationship, the person of Jesus Christ, to offer through our actions, through our words, through our kindness, if nothing else. But if we're quick just to write the check and hand it out and move on, Maybe we haven't met anybody's real need. Money can certainly meet some needs. So please don't take this as me saying, stop giving. Always be generous. But know that it doesn't meet every need. We are expected to give to support ministries and missionaries and people whose occupation it is to to proclaim the word of God. But that's to be done in support of real ministry, not in lieu of or instead of real ministry. What are the needs around us? Right here in Buena Vista, right here in this community, what are the needs that you see? How can we meet them? Do we know how to meet them? Do we, do we even recognize them? Let me offer you a challenge today. The next time you're thinking about helping someone with money, pause just for a moment and ask yourself, am I doing this just so the problem goes away or the problem is delayed a little bit or is this money actually going to be of some great benefit to them? Sometimes it will. Sometimes that money is exactly what they will need. But not always. There's sometimes a much deeper need. And if we seek to meet that name and to meet that need in the name of Jesus Christ, He can give us power, He can give us the vision, the understanding, and the ability to love as He has loved us, to serve as He has served us, and to meet their deeper needs just as Christ has met our deeper needs. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that we are not always quick to observe, to recognize, or to meet the needs of those who struggle 
around us. Those who we may even come into contact with day in and day out, sometimes in our own ignorance, we just never recognize what the deep need there may be. But Lord, we ask that you give us the eyes to see. We ask that you give us the heart to love. We ask that you give us wisdom and perspective. A way to see people in the same way that you see people. A way to see what our deeper needs are and to minister to each other and to minister to the stranger as well in a way that you are calling us to do. That is what it means to be a part of the church. That is what it means to be the hands and the feet of Christ. And Lord, that is our goal. That is our aim. And so we ask that by the power of your Spirit and with the, the vision that, that you alone have for this world, that our hearts are changed in a way where we can recognize a way to meet the needs around us. Give us the power and the courage to do so. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is from the United Methodist Hymnal. It's called uh, Trust and Obey. It's hymn number 467. If you've made a decision of any type today, I invite you and encourage you to come forward and share that with us. But please remember the altar is always open for anyone who desires to come up here and spend a few moments with God in that way. Please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 467, Trust and Obey.